0: Hit. I can't say goddamn on here. Don't worry, nobody's
1: listening anyway.
0: All right, welcome to another episode of Dr. Sheldon Cooper Presents Fun with Flags. Oh wait, <laughs> wrong show. Welcome to another episode of Golf Drinking in Life. My name is Colin McKern, I'm your host. I'm a PGA professional and a Callaway staff member here in Mobile, Alabama. I'm with my brother Corey, who is a professional opera singer. In Pensacola, Florida, also a professor at the University of West Florida. Big Core. What's up, man?
1: Been a little while. Yeah, we've, uh, it's a busy time of year, you know, the fall. Got the sports, kids' sports, the college football, college basketball starting. So we've been, uh, we've been pretty busy over at the McKern household in Pensacola. So,
0: we are bringing you episode 16 today, which is going to be our season one finale. Um, we will uh, come back to you after the first of the year with season two, um, with a bigger and better season two. Um, yeah, we should- hosts,
1: hosts of celebrities to be lined up, I'm sure. We should have a cliffhanger. will we'll keep we- the, the audience coming back. Well, let me
0: get my car. I'll drive your way and punch you in the eye to end this episode. We'll find out how that <laughs> how that
1: works out. What do you think? It'll be a long, awkward wait for an hour. <laughs> he's coming. Uh, he said he's close. Getting off the interstate. Everybody. So, coming
0: uh, to you live from uh, Google Maps. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so, as I always do, I want to thank our listeners. We are now in 18 countries and 366 cities. Um, please continue and share and spread. You can follow me on Twitter at Colin McKern. You can email the show, GolfDrinkingLife at gmail.com. Let us know your thoughts, uh, any show ideas. Um, I want to thank all the people that have shared their personal stories and struggles over the course of this 16 episodes. We've had a few people reach out to us. Um, Corey, David Taylor sent me a Facebook message this week, said
1: he's been listening to the show and liked it. Oh awesome. do you want to get yeah. Social security number two or just his first and last name is enough? <laughs> I think just his first and uh, last okay.
0: names enough are we, are we not doing last names
1: now? I don't know we, you there, know I mean,
0: is there something I don't know? <laughs> well I mean, he does it's uh, it's
1: not like this is a hardcore um deviant show or something. <laughs> well, I like uh, you know people from 18 countries are listening to us have the same <laughs> dumb conversations we've had our whole life. Uh I like that. Um yeah, there's something to be said about free though, isn't there? Yeah, that's true. Yeah, old Dave, that's uh that's cool that he's listening. David worked with us at Oak Mountain State Park, went to high school with me. His uh yes, his guy. brother
0: was my age, Bobby Taylor, who is also a talented musician. Yeah. Um so yeah, David David goes back to the old Oak Mountain crew as we call it. We should form like a adult gang called the Oak Mountain Boys or something.
1: <laughs> the oak mountain boys <laughs> we like, could like gang. go to grocery stores and help old ladies with their grocery bags was, or something oh okay i was thinking more <laughs> of like a boy band a man band you want a gang like we're gonna go beat people with chains and steal their money or you <laughs> no, know? we can do a boy band that'd be good a man band yeah we could That's call like, it i used to joke i was gonna get some of my singer friends together and start a man band called in debt <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would be good yeah that would
0: be good so you can You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Pandora, uh, Google Podcasts, basically wherever you get your podcasts. Um, I want to give a shout-out today to um, the guys that play on my Pro-Am team with me because at least two of the three of them are are diehard listeners, which is uh, uh, George Vance and Alan Bartoli, and then also David Delchamps. I know he's listened to the show some. I wouldn't go so far as to call him a diehard listener, but uh, (laughs) – Um, all three of those guys, they played in several programs with me this year and they play a lot at the golf course. All all, George actually works at the golf course on the maintenance crew, but all three, um, good guys and good golfers. And, uh, just wanted to give them a little shout out this morning. Um, if you're new to the podcast, you should start with episode one. It, uh, kind of gives you the reason why we're doing this podcast and why we started it out. And I think all the other shows stand on it on their own, but, uh, my story is I am now
1: 16 months sober, Corey, about to be 17 months here in November. Um, yeah, I think the reason we waited so long to do this podcast is so you could stop saying 15 months sober. <laughs> well, I think the last one we did, I actually said 16 months. That's why I still feel
0: awkward saying 16 months. But we're not far away from getting into the years, so yeah, um, hopefully we make it to uh, Christmas there. and We're at a year and a half, so we might be able to start uh, – Stop talking in toddler talk.
1: You know, it's funny, uh, 16 months rather than saying a year and four months. I wonder why. Why is it two years is the when you stop months rather than
0: one year? Corey, I didn't make the rules. Can you lay off me? I've been just said I've been sober for 16 months for crying out loud. <laughs> Sounds like you're white up a little over there, bro. It's hard enough that you micromanage in my, uh, my, uh, <laughs> Here stuff here. Yeah, yeah, sorry. So, um, yeah, so, you know, those of you who've listened to the podcast know that 16 months ago, I nearly died, and um, it was all self-inflicted from drinking. Um, luckily, that did not happen, and I'm on the now, and, and I wouldn't say I'm pretty bad... Be- I wouldn't say I'm back to normal, because I'm not sure I was ever normal, but um doing much better now, physically um, and mentally, so... That's where we're at, and that's all good. Um, is, that, uh,
1: is that what you say first thing on a first date? Now that I'm doing okay listen. physically and mentally, yes. <laughs> yeah. Listen, like, I wanna, I, while we're waiting at the Olive Garden here, I just want to get a couple things out of the way. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. Yes, I may say some absurd shit, but I will not murder you and put you in my freezer. That's pretty much <laughs> how I. That's pretty much how that's I start exactly the day.
1: Online dating profile.
0: Yes. Yeah, and, and that and that's about how those profiles are. Actually, <laughs> it's not far from that.
1: Yeah, I guess you know, this you can read between the lines. Like, I'm not amazing, but I won't murder you and keep you in my freezer.
0: <laughs> yes, I mean you got to look for the for the for the uh, positive silver, things, right? Overlining, yeah, yeah. So l- this is. I want to talk about weather because finally we have perfect weather. All the bitching and moaning we've been doing on these shows, we finally, this is why you live in the south right now. There hasn't been a cloud in the sky in three or four days here, and it's been 75 every day. Oh, it might have been 73 on Monday, but it's been delightful.
1: Ah, so amazing. We earned this weather. And right now, everyone that was sitting up in Minnesota in July, drinking a nice tea out by the lake, uh, they're getting snow probably and now we have for the next several months it's just going to be amazing yeah so screw you minnesota <laughs> yeah to all two of our
0: listeners there if your beautiful summers you know i have to do some research on that i'm not sure i've seen minnesota on our uh, list of uh states slash cities hmm. it serves them right
1: well we maybe we should have called it uh Ice Fishing, Drinking, and Life, and we've got some nibbles. <laughs> Maybe that'll be our spinoff show while we're in uh, on break here for, for the yeah. holidays. we got the uh, McCurtain Media Company is coming up some fresh ideas.
0: Uh, it really works, the drinking and life part, and then you can basically substitute golf with whatever you like. I mean, it could be the knitting, drinking, and life, or the quilting, drinking, and life,
1: right? Well, for me, it's uh, opera, drinking, and life, isn't it? For you, it's crack smoking, drinking, and life. <laughs> I get personal on the podcast.
0: <laughs> so, yeah. um, so when I was in, it's been a while since we've done a show. So, when I was in Birmingham um, just before Halloween, I took the kids to Top Golf. Um, I love it. It's the first time that I have been to a Top Golf. Have you
1: been to a Top Golf, Corey? I've been one time to the very same one that you went to in Birmingham with the aforementioned David. Taylor and our buddy Andy, who we've mentioned on this podcast, both friends from high school, friends from Oak Mountain. We used to play golf all the time together, and now we went to Top Golf, where uh, it's like the bowling of golf, but much better. All roads lead to Oak Mountain. I don't care where we go.
0: That's right. Um, yeah, it was. It was good. It was. Um, I was. Um, I was impressed with the whole um, operation. Really. I mean, we. I made a reservation, obviously, and then. I I walked in and checked in just because I'm old and that's what you do. And the guy said, they'll text you like 10 minutes before your bay's ready. And, and that's exactly what they do. They text you your bay number and you walk straight to your bay. And um, then you have a waitress and um, it was, we did two hours. I think, I guess that's the minimum you can do. Probably the minimum you would want to do too. Um, It was me. I took Colin and Ryan, my uh, daughter and son. And so it it was fun. I I will say the one thing um, that I did, that that I found interesting in the whole thing was so Callaway owns top golf now or owns part of top golf. I don't know exactly how that works and they provide the clubs. Right. And, and the irons are fine, but, um, you know, you got a bunch of people hitting at a driving range and, and it's a double decker driving range. You're basically hitting off either story two or story three, um, so, you can see the lit up targets and all that stuff we we went at night, and um, the woods the drivers are absolutely awful.
1: I don't they're remember. terrible
0: don't they're terrible. The it like. looks like something you would find in a nineteen ninety seven driving range by the side of the road in b f e Alabama and I don't understand, like you've done all this, all the balls have microchips in them, obviously, you've spent all this money. And then when you get to the drivers, you're going to, you have like, it, it just the worst. They were they were terrible. Terrible looking and just terrible. So I don't understand. Like if you're worried somebody's going to steal them, surely you can microchip them <laughs> where it's set off an alarm going out the door. I mean, you got microchips and everything else there. Yeah. Good point. Um, so it, it was very bizarre. And for Callaway to have their name all over that, Although the clubs, I don't think actually said Callaway on them, but I mean it's pretty common knowledge that Callaway's heavily involved with Top Golf. Yeah, so I, I'm not sure. What, were they not? It, they're it, oversized though, right? Barely. I mean, they look like they're smaller than the original Big Bertha. No, I mean they don't stick out as oversized. I mean they 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 were absolutely terrible. It was it was very strange. Like you need
1: to fire off a strongly worded email to the CEO of Top Golf. I hear some passion in your voice.
0: Well, I just
1: don't understand when it comes
0: to you've done all that, you spent all this money. Obviously those things cannot be inexpensive to set up and start and run. And I don't yeah. understand the the and then that's where you're going to cut cut your costs. I mean, they don't even you you could at least if they're going to be let's not use the word cheap, if they're going to be inexpensive or whatever, they at least don't have to look like you pulled them out of a bargain barrel. I mean, just even the shape of them. Yeah. They're made to look like a driver you would never play with on the golf course, assuming. So you, you don't steal it. I I don't know. I don't know who's walking out of there. I mean, obviously you can bring your own, you, you, you can bring your own clubs, I, which you I didn't see idiot. anybody. I didn't see anybody with their own clubs, but I would certainly bring my driver next time because okay. I started this by saying the irons are okay, but you're not going to really sit at Top Golf and hit a bunch of eight irons all day, are you? Well, it depends on what target
1: you're going for, Colin.
0: Well, I mean, pretty much you You know, I don't know if you've been around driving ranges much, but everybody's hitting driver all the time. I don't think they're going to spend top dollar to go to Top Golf <laughs> and and and. <laughs>
1: And work on their eight iron. Oh, well, yeah, that's good. For for anyone who hasn't been, it's it's this double-decker driving range with, you know, you sit on furniture, they bring you drinks and food, and you can play a variety of games. You know, the first person to score the most points, the first person to aim at certain targets, just like darts or bowling. Uh, And I found it to be, you know, we're pretty, you know, myself, I'm in a pretty busy part of life. Work is busy. Kids are busy. It's hard to find. You know, you go play golf. You got to leave an hour in advance at least. You play golf for four or five hours, and then it's mandatory that you sit in the clubhouse for two hours. Um, so now we're talking about an eight-hour day. It's just hard to get out and find that. I thought Top Golf was a pretty good. Um, you know, you spend a couple hours. You enjoy swinging the club. Have a couple drinks have some food. I liked it. I think it's a good, um, not a replacement, but,
0: uh, no, I think it's very good. And I think it, I think it attracts people to the game that it wouldn't normally attract. Um, and it's, it's really not that expensive. Now, now the way I did it, if you take two kids and it's just three, of you obviously the bills all on me. So I think to reserve that bay in what's considered prime time during the evening, it was 160 bucks for two hours. But you can have up to six people in that bay. Um, yeah. And so, you, I mean, you think about that if you went with three couples, if you had three couples together and you're dividing that 160, obviously that 160 is before you order anything to drink or eat. But as far as just the golf part, um, it becomes more affordable if you're going with four guys or three couples or whatever you're doing. Um, it's, it's really not that bad. Yeah, um, and, and it was it was very neat, um, and, and and the prices are different. Also, it's cheaper obviously during the day because um, they're pretty much open all day. So, you know, I know that that most of those places have a PGA director of instruction because I had applied to Top Golf a couple times there in Birmingham um, when I was kind of in between my golf career, and my selling roofs and copiers, and
1: I wish um, you would did- I wish he'd have shown up and got the job and that would have been like, so the director of instruction here works the hot dog machine. (laughs) Um, So anyone that wants a hot dog, you are going to be in charge of it. And if you want to give them some golf advice, you're more than welcome. But really, the hot dog machine is your purview. After seeing the way
0: that it's set up, I do wonder exactly what the director of instruction does there. It's it's not, it's not necessarily designed for giving lessons and stuff like that. But you could see if maybe, especially when they're doing like corporate outings, if you had somebody with some golf knowledge to kind of um, take the bays through their games and show them stuff like that, it would, it would probably be um, – it would probably be helpful. I mean, I guess there's a market for somebody that's bringing their clubs in there in the wintertime and getting a, just an individual lesson. I, I don't know exactly how all that works. I never got too far into the um, to the interview process. It was very corporate, and um, I wasn't sure if I wanted to do it or not anyway because that's when I was out of the golf business, and I wasn't really trying to get back in, so I never never went too far with it. So, I feel like I never got too far
1: into the (laughs) interview process because what had happened was I filled out an application and no one ever called me. So I'm not really sure the details of what their expectations
0: were. That's not exactly how that went You see, my people talked to their people and we didn't think it was a a good fit at the time (laughs) in my career. Couldn't couldn't reach a number. It seemed like Uber driving was a better option at that point. Yeah, it's not. So, yeah, we need to tell some of those Uber driving stories. I don't think we've gotten into any of that. So, I drove Uber pretty much full time for a couple of years while I was waiting tables and doing some other stuff. And, um, that will in season two, we'll have to hit some of those stories. I got some good ones. Um, it's not for the faint of heart by any means.
1: Um, it turns out, you know, like the commercials, like in Lyft, they're, you know, like a normal person gets in your car, you do a fist bump and you become, you become best friends. You know, and you drop them off like at a block party, and maybe you join in. Uh, but turns out a lot of crazy people um, late at night trying to take an Uber or a Lyft. Um, a lot of crazy people any time of
0: day. Yeah, try to take an Uber, or Lyft. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's interesting to say the least. We we'll probably do a whole podcast on that Uber driving, Uber
1: driving, <laughs> drinking in life. <laughs> I thought for a second there we were sponsored by Topgolf when we were doing a commercial,
0: and you just it, didn't tell me. Until I threw him under the bus
1: <laughs> yeah, for, yeah, for their drivers. We were um, setting them up from that big letdown of not being hired, uh, I think. Uh, yeah, so
0: Topgolf's delightful. Visit one if you can. Um, Corey, holiday's right around the corner. Oh, yeah. I mean, Thanksgiving's like
1: next week. Yeah, that seems crazy, but uh, for the first time in a long time, we'll be going to our mother's house. Um, we'll be there, taking the kids. You'll be there. Your kids will be there. Looking forward to it. First time in a long time. How long do you think it's been? I don't know. For Thanksgiving at Mom's, I, 10 years for me, maybe. Really? Oh, well, I guess we, uh, we were all down at the beach a few years ago. Oh, yeah, that's right. Right when I first moved back to Mobile. It's their house. It's been forever since we've been thanksgiving yeah well it should be fun looking forward yeah. to seeing you looking forward to it yeah Maybe we can have uh, a couple of visits from uh uncle colin at our house the kids always enjoy it um so appreciate you coming over yeah
0: absolutely just uh played in a pro-am over there not too long ago at pensacola country club which is is a really nice uh golf course i um i'm always impressed when i play it. they've done a good job with that um with, with that place, it basically, you know, they were pretty much destroyed in Hurricane Ivan, which was 2004. Or, it was 2004. Yeah, and um, Jerry Pate came in and redid it, and basically, part of it, part of it was because all the trees were laying on the on their sides, but removed like five thousand or ten thousand trees, and um, so it's much more open than it used to be. It's it's re- it's really a nice nice golf course they've done a, a good job with that and the 18th hole is a par three right there on the bay you got the clubhouse on the left and the bay on your right it's pretty cool uh, yeah little finishing hole it's it's not standard to have a par three as your finishing hole but it
1: works out well at that course i think yeah beautiful course beautiful facility um i would uh love to join there someday a lot of just don't think i play enough golf um yeah you
0: you know maybe later on your um kids are grown and gone yeah if you're still in pensacola it just seems like you will be pensacola's pretty much home now don't you see that going
1: forward yeah um i love it here i could live here i mean uh, this is a great place for us I uh, you know i never until i moved here uh i had no real concept of what it'd be like to live in pensacola florida but i've loved it so yeah i could i could be content here now, are you
0: guys going to take your um, normal journey to Iowa for Christmas?
1: Or after uh, Christmas? not. I think, you know, we went in the summer. We'll probably go next summer. It's just so, you know, it's it's expensive to fly with the kids and kind of a pain. And it's so long to drive. And when you only have so much time off at Christmas, it's just a lot. 14-hour drive up there and back. Uh doesn't make for a very relaxing holiday season. So as much as we'll miss seeing Chandler's family, um, we'll uh, probably go back in the summertime. Yeah, it sounds
0: awful. Fourteen hour drive. I just can't. Especially with two young kids. Although your kids are to the point now where it's not like they're uh, they're they're pretty easy to handle. Yeah, yeah.
1: Uh, but still, that's a long way. Yeah. Once you get them, you know. Got some melatonin and them, put them in their crates. They're pretty much uh, <laughs> they're pretty manageable all the way, all those 14 hours. I like that. You learned that from mom, didn't you? <laughs> you used to give us something
0: to sleep. What was it?
1: Oh, man. Um,
0: Benadryl? Benadryl, a great baby drug of the 1980s. Yeah.
1: Uh, Child Protective Services, if you're listening, is <laughs> a very small dose.
0: It <laughs> might need a yeah, more head of a placebo we'll effect, I'm sure. <laughs> so. <laughs> yes. So, uh, be it that it's been almost a month since we've done a show. We're a little behind on some college football. Slash now, college basketball started up. Um, I know you're excited. We are obviously Indiana Hoosier fans, being that we're from Indiana originally. Um, Indiana's currently two and zero, and plays St. John's on TV tonight on Fox yeah. or FS1. 8 o'clock, I think. Yeah, 8 o'clock Central. I don't think St. John's is ranked, however, but at least it's a name we've heard
1: of. <laughs> yeah, we're setting the bar pretty high. We look good in our second game. Our first game was a little interesting. and in our second game, we looked really good. It's hard to say, though, against talent we're playing against right now, but pretty exciting time, new coach. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. Just being back into Indiana basketball. Did I see where can, are we playing Kentucky again this year? No, oh, I don't know why don't they know. want to set that back up, but we'll see. Yeah, yeah, they need
0: to get that set back up immediately, in my opinion.
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, and my uh, alma mater, the Mississippi State Bulldogs, beat Auburn. Yes, the they did, which was a bizarre game. Um,
0: with Auburn being up twenty-eight to three in the first half. Yeah. Yeah, that was one of those where I had turned it on and then turned it to something else, to another game, because it was over, right? Yeah, and, Mississippi and, then, and then Mississippi like, State went up
1: like two touchdowns. Yeah, they scored like 41 straight points.
0: Well, here's what I got to say about that. That Auburn coach, I'm sure this week is finding out what it's like to be a coach in the SEC now, for reals. Yeah. Um, you know, he there's been a little bit of, um, I don't know if you've heard any of the story about you know he's he he won't. I don't know. I don't think we've talked about this on the show, but he won't. He won't say whether he's been vaccinated or not, which is fine. That's everybody's right. But as a uh, and I know some of this is in limbo now. But as a state employee, he was had to be vaccinated by December eighth or something like that, or otherwise he was going to lose his job or be suspended or something. And he he he's. I, I can't tell if he hadn't been vaccinated or if he's just flexing his right to. I don't have to tell you if I've been vaccinated. Right. But at a school like Auburn, being the head coach, it seems like a lot if you're just messing with people. Like, if you're the head coach at Auburn making millions of dollars a year, you just have to get vaccinated, don't you?
1: I think so. Yeah. And really saying, not divulging whether you've been vaccinated or not means you haven't been vaccinated. Well, I would think, yes. So, it'd be weird for the other way around. Aaron Rodgers is standing pretty firm on that. Um, Yeah, but he's back this weekend, isn't he? Yeah, or was he back last weekend? He was back last weekend.
0: Okay. Um, yeah, so. that was a whole. I, you know, I know it's a it's a weird time, and and I, you know, this being the first kind of pandemic of of the sorts in the internet age, has been. You know, I, I don't know. Pe- people get people get their news any way they want to get it now, and 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 basically, if you want to believe something, you can find um, ammunition to believe whatever you want on the internet. And and I think it's a dangerous thing.
1: I'll say one thing. Man, people are much more confident in their opinions than I ever dreamed they might be. You know.
0: Yes, because you read one sentence on the Internet, and if it fits your opinion, then you're like, boom, that's it. Yeah, I just found it. It, Even if, if even if it was me that said it on this podcast and you don't know who said it. (laughs)
1: <laughs> I, you know, I certainly am not uh, a medical expert. You know, when it te- when we had Quinn and I took him to the doctor the first time and she said he needs vaccinations, I said, well, listen, is it really safe? I've read some things. She was like, yes, it is safe. As your pediatrician, I recommend. I was like, okay, enough said. Like, she did all the medical school. Why would I be like, hang on there? Uh, clearly, you don't have the best interest of my kid in mind so, yeah, yeah,
0: it's um, yeah, I mean, you know it's it's it it's strange times we live in as far as that goes, just because, like I said, there's so much information available, and so much of it's not um what's the word I'm looking for? it's not legitimate, and you know we we as humans have a tendency that if we read it, it makes it true somehow, whether that be gossip news or health news or whatever it is. And it certainly makes us want to believe it more if it fits our already, um, opinion of said issue, whether it be vaccination or celebrity gossip or I- anything really. Um yeah. And, and so it becomes, you know, it becomes a little bit dangerous. I, I mean, just think about just, just, just a separate, just go on WebMD and type in your, your, um, if you're having some kind of issue, just type in your symptoms and see what it comes up with.
1: Oh, it's the worst. And,
0: and what do you do? You, you don't believe what you don't want to believe. Right. Right. If it says your head's about to fall off, you're like, no, nah, no, nah, it's just a, uh, I really just jammed my finger. I don't think my head's going to fall off.
1: But no, no, see, I'm, I'm the opposite. If I got like a <laughs> rash on my arm, it, you know, it's like, could be uh contact dermatitis. Could be this, could be that. And then like the last thing is like brain tumor. I'm like, shit. That's it. It's a brain tumor. Uh, so yeah, I'm the opposite on that.
0: Well, you know, it was funny as I was going through my illness and especially leading into my illness, pretty it should have been pretty apparent to myself at the levels that I was drinking that I was having liver issues. Yeah, but yet, when I would hear stuff or read stuff, I wanted to 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 grab onto anything that wasn't that. Right, you know, I was trying to convince myself that I had uh, what was the first thing I thought I had. I can never remember pancreatitis. Um, pancreatitis. That's right, because it is similar symptoms, and, and it also is kind of, I mean, that it, it, it's a side effect of cirrhosis of the liver as well it can affect your pancreas. So, um, now in saying that, when I went to the doctor and he said you have cirrhosis of the liver before he even ran one test, I, I didn't, I didn't think, oh, he's wrong, and these tests are going to prove otherwise. Right. right. But, I, you know, I think you just you have a tendency to try to believe what you want to believe and and, and you'll gear your uh, research to fit that. Um,
1: you know, when you first went to the hospital and the doctor says that to you, I mean, what are you thinking?
0: Well, so the way this all went down was I, I had I went to my general practitioner first for the first time. That, that was the whole thing. If you remember how, how this all went down was when I first started feeling really sick. And that was really when my stomach started to extend a little bit. I went to the emergency room at Spring Hill Hospital and they basically ran some tests and said, "Ah, uh, you're good and sent me away. Oh. And which I wasn't good, and they did do an ultrasound on my liver, and I can remember the lady saying that you don't have any water around your liver, which is good because I told them at the time how much I drank, but this was very early on in Covid, and they looked at me like I had two heads for coming into the emergency room um right. I was the only person in the emergency room. I walked right in the emergency room at noon on a Wednesday and was in the back at twelve o five i mean it was I was the only person in there, yeah. And so then at that point, I was I had to wait for like three weeks to get into a general practitioner who I had, I had not seen one in mobile at the time. So when I walked into the general practitioner before he said anything or when he walked into the room, you know, I immediately told him what my symptoms were. And then I also immediately told him how much I drank before he even asked. And then, you know, he 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 just said automatically, he said, he said, yes, I can tell, you know, he could tell by the extended the um extended stomach. He could tell by the color of my eyes. My eyes were real, really yellow by then. Um and so then that day he did some um he did blood work obviously, which came back all I mean, my Billy was like ten times the ten times higher than it's supposed to be. Um I, I can't remember if they did an ultrasound that day or they did an ultrasound pretty quickly. Um And so in the, in the, the big thing in that visit was, so I needed to quit drinking, but he, he didn't necessarily want me to quit drinking cold Turkey because you can have issues from that as well. Right. Um, so it wasn't long. So now I'm waiting to go to the, um, obviously he recommends a liver specialist for me. And, um, so now I've got a two week wait to go to that. And at some point in those two weeks, I quit, I think about four or five days before i went to the liver guy I actually quit drinking for good right and and then that wasn't it wasn't long i think i saw the, i think i saw the liver guy on a thursday and by sunday i was in the hospital not because the liver guy put me in there but because i declined that badly after leaving his office um over the weekend so but my point to that whole story was that even even i should have known what it was but i was trying to hang on to the hope that it was anything else. You know, that's a really, uh,
1: anticlimactic way to quit drinking. I guess you think you're going to go out like in Vegas, uh, after all that drinking, after all those years, you're just like, eh, I guess I got to stop. Well, yeah. If we, well,
0: if you put it in those terms, it is, but it wasn't exactly that it was, you know, I mean, I, I think that, I think death was imminent and I had already, um, I had already, inadvertently kicked it back a lot because I couldn't keep it down. So I already wasn't drinking to the level that I had been drinking, but I was trying to, but I couldn't. And then so it worked out well because when I actually did quit drinking, I never had any kind of severe withdrawals. Yeah. Um, well, I say that. I mean, I quit drinking a week later. I was in the hospital for ten days. But
1: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, listen, I didn't have any severe withdrawals, unless you count death. I mean, other than dying, like so, everything was pretty.
0: But I don't think those were. I don't think I was in the hospital from withdrawals. I was in the hospital because I was that close to to the end, which is also a whole other. Conversation because you don't, you just don't realize it's happening to you at the time. I mean, now that I see pictures and I talk to people afterwards, because people aren't completely honest with you when that's going on. People will make comments here and there about your weight. And somebody, one of the girls I worked with, made a comment about my eyes being yellow. This was right at the very end. And, um, but they, but now it's, you know, to get their story a year later, a year and a half later there's a heck of a lot more people that have come out and I don't think it's hindsight. I think they really felt this way at the time. There's, there's a handful of people that have told me, I, I didn't think you were going to live much longer. Um, yeah. You I know, mean, my ex-wife being one of them, she said when she saw me and dropped that Walker off here in mobile that, you know, she had just gone through the whole process of her dad dying and seeing what he looked like. And she said, she didn't, she thought I'd be dead within a month. She didn't say that to me at the time
1: yeah be which is nice of her to be kind of rude like i'm gonna need that walker back in like a month and it seems like he won't need it beyond then uh not a great thing to lead with <laughs> yeah so yeah everybody kind of you know
0: so but but it's so it's interesting to talk to people now and you know a guy came in the golf shop the other day that plays on sunday mornings and he, he has had some sickness and has lost a bunch of weight and he was down to about the same weight that I got down to, which is right in the one hundred and fifty area. And when I saw him coming to the golf shop the other day, I was taken back by the way he looked and it was like, Oh, okay. Now I see, um, you you just want to, and he was fine. He was coming up to the counter and paying to go play golf, but you just, I, I, he looked so bad. You wanted to help him, even though he walked in on his own volition. And, um, you know, but so I can see what people saw, but it's hard to see in yourself. You well, know, thing, it, it never it never occurred to me that I was near death. Well, until a the, of, you know, it just doesn't. Couple, I don't know. I don't know if I'm an idiot or if it just, you know, you're I don't know.
1: Well, you're in, you know, it took you a while. And even, you know, you watch the show Intervention, I go through all that drama and then like then they go to rehab and then they say six months later and then they show them and they're like a different person. You know, and really you were a different person that like your brain was not functioning the way it is now. So it's it's not even like you would know or like you didn't have the same personality. You didn't, And particularly after you got out of the hospital, you know, when, when I took or, you know, we went to lunch together, dinner. And I picked you up at your house. You were not the same person you are now and you were not the same person you were some years ago. I mean, it was your personality was totally different. You look totally different. And it took a while and then suddenly you start to kind of wake up. And by personality being
0: different, you mean I was a bigger dick than I normally am. Surprisingly so.
1: Like once you, <laughs> you think reach a level that like no there is no more level of assholeness beyond this. And then you manage like a great athlete to get it a little more out of your game. <laughs> well, uh, we
0: were, we were talking the other, I was talking with somebody at work the other day and I was, I was saying at some point when I first came back, I mean, so, you know, when, when, when I first got out of the hospital and all that you're, I was so sick that you're just trying to, you're you're just trying to get through your day to do whatever you need to do. I mean, whether it be to get to everything was a project. It was a project to take a shower. It was a project to get in the car. It was a project to get to work. It was a project to stand behind the counter. It was a project to sit on the stool. It was a project to sit, to get out of the stool and get to the cash register. And I started joking with somebody the other day. And I said, at some point, some customers must've been scared to come in there because they're like, Oh God, I've got to come in there and I'm going to have to make this half dead guy get off the stool and he looks like he's going to break into a million pieces and fall on <laughs> the ground. And I don't want to be the one that does that. Because, I mean, they would. They'd come in and I'd have to get off the stool to be like, oh. And I'd be like, you know, <laughs> it's only two feet over the cash register. And then I'd be leaning on the cash register, ringing him up.
1: You all right? Yeah, I'm good. You should have got one of those machines that lift you up like, like a lazy boy that uh, puts you into a standing position electronically. It, it just about came to that, yeah. It, it really did. So, or uh, like you know, the board that Hannibal Lecter was strapped onto. Uh, yeah they, they could just lift you sort of toward the cash register uh, when you needed it. Well, you know,
0: and then thoughts like that do go through your head. Like, what if you got so sick you weren't really able to perform your job? I mean, I was already using a walker just to get in and out of the building and down the hall. Um, and you start thinking about stuff a little bit like that. Not quite on those lines,
1: but, um, anyway, it's, it's a lot better to be better. Um, Two, two comments. One is, um, it is amazing. You know, it's clear that addiction is not a choice because no one would choose to live like that. Number one. And number two, I'm trying to figure out how your coworker worked into the conversation, um, that your eyes are yellow. Well that and that was funny, too, because that was towards
0: the end, like I think I was at the point where I was waiting on one of the doctor to go to one of the doctors. I can't remember which one it was, but then it was like, like at that point, like why didn't you tell me that three months ago? because I'd never noticed it, and so at that point it was like, "Oh, great, you know, like just piling it on, yeah, no shit, Karen. <laughs> I see that my eyes are yellow. Well, and I I hadn't seen that my eyes were yellow, so that was new information to me. But um, yes, it was. Uh, but but people don't tell you that stuff. People, and because you just don't. I mean, not because they're being, because they're trying not to be rude.
1: Yeah, it's also I mean, so. Wrong. Who are you
0: close enough to? I mean, maybe me and you, but to be honest with you, Corey, I don't look in your eyes that closely very often. (laughs) So I don't know if your eyes are yellow or not. Really I'm not trying to be a bad brother. Maybe we'll start doing an eyeball check when I come over now. (laughs) Yeah. I'll start giving you a little mini physical every time be awkward.
1: Yeah, well the problem is, you know, someone is whether it's a choice or not, someone is doing it and you can't stop them. And so at some level you have to protect yourself you have to detach a little bit so you're not going to you know you're it's you're powerlessly watching someone you love make choices that are harming them and what are you going to say like hey that reminds me maybe you should not do all that well
0: and i've said this before there's nothing that would have made me quit drinking at that point except for exactly what happened right um and 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 quite frankly that might not even done it if it hadn't been so painful yeah and, and you know part of that obviously is it's your body's way of 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 defending itself you know if it wasn't painful i would have just kept doing it until i died right um but it was very painful i still almost did it until i died but it it literally got to the point with the whole not being able to eat thing and if you did eat being so full because of all that fluid all the ascites and my stomach being extended, um, it was really, really, really miserable. Um, and it, it, you know, obviously when you can't eat (laughs) your, 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 your body's starting to die because it's not making new cells. And, um, it, it, yeah, it was, it was really painful, which is, which was good because that, that in the end is what, um, is what saved my life.
1: Do you think a lot of people start drinking to sort of cover up anxiety or social anxiety, and then it becomes more of a habit and a physical habit. Uh, Do you think that was in any way played a role for you? Yes, absolutely. I think it,
0: I think it starts out as, as a fun social thing. Um, and then it becomes a, a still seemingly a fun social thing, but it also becomes a coping mechanism. um, to deal with anxiety and other things. And then at some point it becomes a physical need. It's still doing those other things. It's still seemingly fun at times and social. um, And it's still seemingly hiding some of your anxiety and helping with that. But then it also becomes a a physical deal where, um, where you have this struggle in your mind on, um, you For me, in the middle of all this, I went through that. Wake up in the morning, I'm not going to drink today, type thing, and you know, it. And but I always did. By by, you know, on my way home from work, I'd always be stopping at the bar or whatever. Um, and and, then that's where where the physical part takes over. You think it's a mental choice, and you're just not strong willed, but that's not what's happening. At that point, you've already become physically addicted to it, and you don't know it. And at some point, your body fools your mind into say you know you're going to get it one way or the other right and and no no amount of willpower that morning is saying i'm not gonna drink today right and, and and number one so what if what if you didn't drink that day yeah yeah, if you string 100 days in a row of doing that but just if you didn't drink one day out of the week it's not really going to do much for you anyway right and and, and your mind kind of your mind fools itself in that way too um all kinds of uh, ways to to trick yourself into, you know, well, what's the point of not drinking a day if I'm going to drink every other day? That kind of, kind of attitude, but it becomes, but it becomes all driven by a physical um, obsession for it. Right. So, um, what else you got, Corey? You got some opera for us today?
1: Well, there's been, you know, uh, I hate to show the wizard behind the curtain, but there's we always have a running uh, list of topics we may or may not discuss. And we've had on this sheet for like 16 <laughs> weeks, you know, Corey's birthday party in New York and sleeping with golf clubs and painted toenails <laughs> i've seen these two sentences every week we've done this podcast <laughs> we've never spoken of both of these great events you do know nobody else can see the sheet right yeah i do yeah, okay that's why i was describing it in great detail gotcha you know <laughs> you know um and so yeah i guess we come by it honest because there was a story i think it was I think it was our mom's graduation from college. No, we were too young for that then. But either way, mom's sister Sherry was in town, and uh, all I know is we woke up the next day in uh, in our old house in the downstairs bedroom I had two twin beds, and you were in one, cuddling with a pair of golf clubs. With a set of golf clubs, not a pair of golf clubs, Corey. I did say a pair of golf clubs, like I've <laughs> never played golf. <laughs> A whole that, that makes it sound much better than it was i mean a whole set a bag head covers <laughs> everything we're in bed with you and uh i wake woke up with all my fingernails painted feet and hand and hands and i didn't even notice until i was standing in the kitchen uh about to get breakfast later so that was a Highlight. Yes, and I do. I
0: still think that was mom's college graduation. But anyway, yes. Yeah, so let me explain the golf clubs a little bit. You know, that room when we had the two twin beds in there was a little bit tight, Um, especially when I would come home from college and just throw all my crap on the floor. So for whatever reason, if I had my golf clubs in the house, a lot of times when I first came in, I'd just throw them on the bed. Um, to keep them out of the way until it was time to go to bed. And obviously, when it was time to go to bed, I was in no shape to uh, get the golf clubs out of the bed. So I ended up sleeping with the golf clubs that night. Yes. Yeah. Um, and yes, you. I, I think it was Aunt Sherry that painted your um, nails and, and uh, yeah, b- both your right. nails, both sets of your nails.
1: I don't remember it, but uh, that's what I'm told.
0: I believe, yes. Yeah, there
1: were some good times had in the chandelier house there. Yeah, there was. Uh, the other uh Bullet point on this list is my thirtieth birthday party in New York. We rented the upstairs of a restaurant that we liked, and it was kind of a cool space, kind of a long rectangular space bar up there. Had hors d'oeuvres and drinks, invited a bunch of my friends in New York, and you and Dad flew up for that. And so that this point- would have been two thousand six. Oh man, yeah, that's right. I was <laughs> like. Yeah, that's right, 2006. Um, and that, that that evening was special for a couple of reasons. It was very fun. It was great to have you and Dad there. But, what, like, it was not uncommon then. The highlight I remember from you at some point was you sitting on a bar tray that was on, like, a service, you know, fold-out rack. And uh, you said, someone put this bar tray on my bar stool. <laughs> yeah, so it was definitely not a bar stool. Yeah, it was just a tray sitting on a, you know, support. And my buddy Chad showed up, um, and uh, he had he was overserved before he got there. One might say, and he the, the first thing he said to Dad was, uh, "Oh, I heard you're an asshole like all the rest of those McCurns. <laughs> and now and had, they, he, had he met Dad? He had that was the first time he met Dad. Uh. I think he'd met him one other time in in Central City, Colorado. We were doing a gig together, but he, he was not in his right mind, maybe. But then someone agreed to take him home, and just as he was leaving, he about fell down the stairs. And he turned around and he flipped a double bird and said, "Fuck <laughs> all you motherfuckers," and then left. <laughs> well, I I was if Chad, if you're listening, I was thankful for you
0: that night to take a little bit of the spotlight off of me. Thank you, sir. Yeah, that's right. Um, yeah, so I was 33 if that was your 30th birthday, which would have been my 33rd birthday because our birthday's on the same day, three years apart. Um, Yeah, it seems like I
1: did not include you in that celebration either. That's
0: weird. Um, yeah, I don't remember that, but you, you, so I had been to New York a couple times at that point, and I want to say this was like my third time to come, and then me and dad came together. Yeah. And so I guess I'd been there just enough. I thought I was kind of the expert in New York, like, because I'd been there two times before. Um, But also, back then, when I flew, I would take Xanax and drink. And I'm sure me and Dad had some kind of early flight. So that day for me, because I think we flew in the day of the party. So that Uh, day for me started early and with chemical alteration being the Xanax. So it's probably a wonder that I was even standing up at that point of the night. Right. Um to let alone um sitting on a chair. Now I don't I don't think that the tray had a bunch of empty drinks on it, did it? I think it was just a tray. I don't think a,
1: so. I think it was just a tray. It
0: wasn't like I spilled a whole tray of drinks or anything, but yeah. Right. I, I do remember, I think in my uh usual form that I was um do you remember they had like some kind of stereo mm-hmm. up there and we were I, I don't back then surely we were playing CDs or was that iPod time?
1: I Man, wanna say hard, I know I
0: yeah. guarded the music and was over there probably playing Pearl Jam and Nirvana yeah, every freaking song. <laughs> yeah. was <laughs> like who brought this redneck from Alabama up
1: here? You know, Really, maybe the the podcast that we need to spin off in our media empire is uh, Tales of Jim McKern and the Two Dipshits. <laughs> <laughs> you know, because I, I think uh, we keep coming back to one common theme: our uh, our charming, elegant father being put. He's like some kind of hero in a sitcom, you know, with like Dumb and Dumber and a blue and orange tuxedo. <laughs> And dad's like having to go back. I ah, sorry, you know, the boys are just getting a little wild tonight. <laughs> um,
0: poor guy. Um, yeah, dad yeah, dad's seen a lot. Dad probably should write a book or start his own podcast. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, yes, that that probably sums it up pretty good. And I told you I think the other day it's I, I laugh when I watch two and a half men because I see a lot of us in that. Um, just the way they mess with each other. Um and the shenanigans they have going on, obviously, we're not quite that um, at that end of that spectrum. But um, because we have no money, we don't have a bunch of beautiful girls walking
1: around. But I mean, other than that, though, other than it's that, exactly it's just
0: the same, exactly the same. Yes, yeah. yes. So, um, was that your was that your opera story?
1: I, I I got the quickest opera story that I know. Yeah, um, make
0: a quick run out of time here, core.
1: One of the funniest moments. There was a really great conductor named Mark Flint who uh, passed away. It was like old school character. And, uh, for, for a while he ran the opera company in Augusta, Georgia, which was kind of, you know, a small, small regional company, but enjoyable place to work. And, uh, we're doing La Boheme, which is notoriously difficult piece to conduct and for the orchestra. And, uh, as we're going through our zitz probe, which is what we call the first rehearsal with, um, orchestra, you don't do the staging or anything. You just stand and sing. um, one of the violinists in the middle of a, the middle of a part shouts, uh, "Where are we?" And Maestro Flint turned around and said, "We're in hell," and just kept going. Uh, <laughs> so I could. Uh, I was like, "Yeah, we are kind of." So I, I loved it. Seems a bit over the top. Yeah, right. It was an amazing moment. Rest in peace, Maestro Flint. So, Corey, sixteen episodes.
0: We have done really 15 and a half, I guess, or 15, because that uh, episode 14 was just a little update when we had those uh, when we had that uh, technical problem, which, by the way, I don't know if I've told you they have recovered the lost episode. Um, apparently, that was a system wide problem when my voice wasn't recorded and they have now sent me that recording with both voices. So
1: I was wondering when you said they've recovered, I was like the rock and Kevin Hart are in a jungle. Searching for the lost episode of it was a, salt it drinking in life. It was a
0: lot of people and a lot of time spent. Yes, it was a it was a high priority with our government to find this lost episode, which has yeah. now been found. Okay. So I seemingly will edit that and release that probably in December, just to have a little. You know, we kind of covered the same topics when we did episode fifteen again. Um. But yeah. it's hard to capture the magic of the original, Corey. So we will release that some point in December.
1: Yeah, here's um, a newsflash. We cover the same topics every week. <laughs> <laughs>
0: so. yeah, hey, don't draw attention to it, man. I was hoping maybe people <laughs> wouldn't notice. Yeah, right. Ixnay on the... So, yeah, but 16 episodes. It's been fun, and we had very little... Um, technical issues you know we had that one episode it turns out that wasn't even our fault so um so that was good um you know i want to thank uh Heath slocum and mark blackburn and our father for coming on the show as guests this year um next year we still want to have boo weekly on and and some other guests that we've talked about so um um jason sadukas if you're listening to this we'd like to schedule you dan patrick stop ducking the show dan um i mean we're almost in as many cities as you now not quite in the same fashion but yeah um but but it's been fun i've had fun doing it so far i look forward to season two um it's been difficult sorry that this has been a month since our last episode came out almost but um And it it seems easy enough to do an hour, but there's a little more work that goes into it than that. And um, our schedules don't always mesh the best with you having two young kids and me having absolutely nothing to do. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So uh, sometimes it's hard to get together. Yeah. Um, But I've enjoyed it and I appreciate you doing it with me. Yeah, it's been great.
1: I, I don't see how
0: this would work with anybody else but you.
1: Yeah, well, you know, you're like family to me. So this has meant a lot. Yes. Um, uh, no, I've had a great time. And uh, it's it's been interesting because we talk a lot anyway. Uh, but sometimes on this, we get into things. You just don't dig that deep when you're just having a phone conversation. You know what?
0: Well, yeah, these are easy. And you, as you've noticed in the little, um, in the, Outline I send you has gotten less and less detailed. Not that it was ever super detailed anyway. And then we pretty much just let the conversation kind of go where it wants to go. And yeah. it's easy. I mean, we don't. I, I I don't know about you, but I don't have to think about it a lot leading into it. Um, it's not superly overly planned. And I, mean, um, I have a
1: teleprompter right here. <laughs> I say is
0: a and, screen. And, and and while i'm saying this i'm i am am not sure it's that easy just to take two people and stick them on a podcast and and i i I don't think it would be that easy with just any two people yeah does that make sense yeah um so to everybody else out there you couldn't do this only my brother <laughs> yeah thank you thank you <laughs> see um so um, but I do look forward to season two. I look forward to seeing you um, Thanksgiving.
1: Yeah, and um, I, I, you need to
0: come over and play golf
1: soon. I do. Before. That's it. I just appreciate everyone listening. It's been great. Uh, it's been an enjoyable process for me, and I'm looking forward to getting back together after the new year.
0: Yeah, um, we'll decide on a date to come back, and I'll probably touch on that when I re- release the lost episode. Be looking out for the lost episode that <laughs> that our government spent no exp- no expense to recover
1: straight from al capone's vault
0: yes so um, and then we'll talk about you know I'm, th- I'm thinking that season two might start up around february or so um we'll talk more about that but uh Corey, good luck on your uh, quilting drinking and life podcast in the meantime <laughs> thank you very much I-, I think you're really a talented quilter and that should turn out well for you in the future all right everybody thanks for listening and we will see you next year take care you's got to keep living man L I V I N